<laughs> We're keeping it. <laughs> hey guys, this is Gil. <laughs> Nothing came out. <laughs> Anywho, uh, this is Kim, and I'm here with my trusty man, Melvin. And you are tuned into the Soul Sense podcast. We're back for another one. And me and Melvin were just having a debate over if we should give our listeners a name, like maybe like the Solsters or like the Soulfuls or the Society, the Soul Society. But he's vetoed it. And um, I think he's just part time Hayden. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Don't know. Anyways. So we're just going to be in here today and we're just going to chat about a few things that have come up in the last week that we've been talking about and we're going to address the career struggle. Ooh, woo, woo, woo. Yeah, and we've talked about this before, um, but uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you guys are are starting to kind of feel the direction we're going with uh, with this podcast, but... Basically, we just want to get on here and kind of talk about things that are going on in our lives um, and or have gone on in our lives and just kind of uh, just tell you guys how we're working through them as well as things that are just going on in the world. But, you know, our, our basic goal is to find people out there who can relate and, uh, you know, we can share experiences Um Definitely, uh, we want you guys to get on our social media stuff. I don't know it, but uh, Kimberly oh. does, and uh, we'll say it at the end. And uh, yeah, let's we can build up some dialogue and uh, we'll answer you guys definitely. Okay, so so let's get right into it. So, I guess we need to give a little bit of background so we can know, so people can know who. Where we're coming from, so... So, yeah, tell us, t- what, what, what's what been going on this week, Kimmy? Well, first off, it's uh, hot as I'll get out. Um, I personally feel like I do not need to go to hell because it's hot as I'll get out in Texas, and I can't take it. It's like triple digits. And um, for those who don't know, I am a nurse practitioner, and I do house call visits, so I'm in and out of people's homes and my goodness. Woo, 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 woo. So, yeah. It's been what, like 107 some of these days? I think the highest was 108, and that was the actual temperature. That wasn't even the heating dick. So that meant that it probably felt hotter than that, but the actual temperature was 108. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that life. I'm a computer programmer, so I spend the majority of my life looking at a, a... computer screen so So looking at your job um you you kind of had an eventful week this week um you want to talk about that yeah so okay so like i said family nurse practitioner and honestly i went into this profession for the sheer just I just love being a nurse. Like, I love taking care of people. I have the gift of gap, if y'all cannot tell. And um, that that's my motivation. And so when I worked as a registered nurse, you know, you just did your job. Oops, excuse me. You just did your job. You worked on the floor and you went home. But one of the things that it's, it's been kind of... It's been an adjustment for me is once I moved into the nurse practitioner role, the politics of the job and my job is just not the actual physical job. There's a whole bunch of other things that have to go on behind the scenes as well. Things that have nothing to do with taking care of people's health, you know, from the different trainings that my job will put down and the way that they track us to make sure that we're staying up on different standards and stuff. And, you know, I have this inner, I like to say this inner like hippie in me. Like, I just want to be me. I just want to be free to be me, just unchecked. And I really hate being (laughs) micromanaged. 
you know, all that. And so with my current job, I have to be honest, I've gone in and out of like moments of just like wanting to complain to like moments of gratefulness. And, you know, I've been working my job for about five years, more than five years. And honestly, when I got the job, it was a prayer answered. It was exactly what we needed, our family needed. And to be honest, it's still what our family needs. But I think for me professionally, I have just kind of grown to a place where I need to grow rather within the company or I need to be making some new moves because I'm, I feel like I'm starting to outgrow my current role. Um, and there's things that I can do that can, you know, aid that, but I have been taking the road of complaint and yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's, that's part one of it. Yeah. Um, and so it's funny. We, it seems like we could be kind of, uh, it's like cyclical for us where one person will be going through something in, in their job and then, you know, the, the reverse will happen, you know, six months later. Um, and I definitely had just kind of been coming back from it. So I, I could talk to her, you know, I could definitely relate to you in that, um, in a lot of the things you've been going through, um, because you helped me through a lot of, a lot of different situations, um, earlier this year. Um, Mm -hmm. so let's talk more, let's talk more about just feeling uneasy or feeling, um, you know, I think we all can feel that way, kind of mm. feeling uneasy or unfulfilled at work. Oh, yeah, I think the word is unfulfilled. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the the right word is unfulfilled. Um, I think for myself, um, I'm a quick learner and this is by no means like a, like trying to pump myself up because in a little bit, y'all going to see, I ain't as big, <laughs> I ain't that much of a big deal, but, um, by nature, I'm a quick learner. I can catch on to things really quickly. Um, the downside of that is I can get bored quickly and I, I can even remember back in school. Um, when I was like in elementary school, it was the same thing there too. And that's why I would get in trouble for talking in class or I would get in trouble for, you know, acting out or something because I would, the, whatever lesson that we were doing, I would do it and I would do it quickly. And then I would just goof around. And honestly, I feel like that's kind of what I've been doing. It is what I've been doing. I've been kind of doing the adult version of goof around with my job and here in this last week, well, last little bit, couple of months, I've been just lacking motivation. And I guess we all need the motivation. We all need something to work towards, um, inspiration. And, and so, and I just haven't had it. And it's really caught up with me because I've been doing a lot of cutting corners at home. I mean, uh, at work. And um, it's caught up with me because some of the benchmarks that they have set at um, set at my job, I've been slacking and slacking horribly to a point where when I was looking at my metrics, I was discouraged with myself. Like I was upset with myself. Like, wow, Kim, you really let yourself like fall. Well, so I think an important thing to look at though is because one thing you you did tell me. Um, one thing we did talk about was that it wasn't that you were slacking, period, because you were definitely going to work with purpose. You know, I know you were going to work really trying to pour into your patients and really, um, you know, trying to figure out what was going on with them. And, you know, when it came to those things, it seemed like you were really pouring in, but some of the I guess the, the paperwork or the extra things you weren't, you weren't not doing it, but you weren't pushing it. It, it. it wasn't as important to you as maybe other aspects of, of meeting your patient's needs. Is that fair to say? Hmm. I think or it was just say period. Yeah. I just, I, I think that I was, I would have spurts. 
you know, so I, and, and, and let me be clear. I wasn't like letting people out here die. (laughs) Y'all, I wasn't doing that. I wasn't doing that, but I guess I would have to explain that. Like at my best, I am the best, you know, and that's, that's like, I, I'm, I'm trying to make a point because I feel like when I do my hundred percent, it exceeds expectations. It's not meeting just the expectations. It's exceeding. And where that can be a downfall for me is I know that. And so a lot of times I'll scale back or I'll, you know, hey, if I, you know, if I can bend it a little bit or if I can like cut corners or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, maybe, you know, make a quick little something, you know, and not lying or anything like that, but it was just, you know, not pushing my all, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's so example of like, you know, um, for instance, like if a patient wants to cancel, I'd be like, okay, (laughs) I wouldn't try to talk back with them to convince them like, okay, you know what I'm saying? And I would never like not go see a patient that's expecting me, you know, but you know, I wasn't like pushing, you know, to like strive, you know, and I think everybody probably, maybe y'all can relate to that. Like there's things like you're still doing your job, but you know that you could do something extra or you can do this more exemplary and you just be like you know what I'm just gonna do enough you know I'm just gonna do enough I'm gonna pass running fast and that's really how I felt and I would have spurts like you know throughout the day where you know maybe my morning patients they get they get all of me but by the time I after lunch when I'm tired it's like, eh, I'm tired, you know, I'm sleepy, you know, it's hot, you know, <laughs> or I'm uncomfortable or something. That's kind of how it was, you know. And so just to give you the example or not the example, just to give you just what happened, the scenario, my boss basically reached out to me because, like I said, we have certain benchmarks that, that they that they have us do that people are flagged and we have to different patients. We have to do like certain tasks and they want us to be at a certain percentage each month. But he had noticed that my percentage had fallen and you know, they, they monitor us like that. And that's one of the things that I hate, you know what I'm saying? Because some of the benchmarks I don't agree with, I feel like it's just a nuisance. Um, but Hey, that's my job. And that's how they're measuring me. Well, when he came to me, he basically told me that, Hey, um, if your numbers don't improve, then I'm going to basically have to put you on a coaching plan, which translated to basically like a written warning, basically. And that could affect like my evaluation, ultimately my raise and advancement in other areas. And it just really like, shook me like I and shook me not because oh I got caught because I you know it caught up with me yes but I I just was so discouraged with myself because I know better you know if you know better you're supposed to do better and I felt like I wasn't doing better yeah and you know coming to me we talked about it um you know and I kind of let gave her my opinion on it um you know on how to address the situation because like I said I just a a quick snippet um just for myself in my in my job I changed um you know like I said I'm a computer programmer um and I moved into a a different position more uh, into a, a supervisory position so um but you know when I initially took it um I took it with the understanding that I would have I would be able to still program you know a certain percentage of the time um and there's different things shakeups at my job and it 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 in my in to hit to, in all fairness my boss asked me you know do you want to be you know I need you to to be full-time just in this management role um or you can go just a different way and be an architect and do that and I, you know, for whatever reason, I, I decided to stay in the management role. 
Um, I can't say that I really prayed a lot about that, but um, whatever, I I, I agreed, I I stayed in that management role. And moving forward, I kind of ran into a situation where, you know, at my job, I've always been, you know, I've I've moved up the ranks really fast and I've always done well. But um, with this situation, it it called different things of me and um, things that, I didn't necessarily see as super important because I've been in management, you know, uh, just as long as I've been a developer, um, just in different arenas. But, you know, a lot of paperwork, a lot of, you know, just different things that I didn't see the importance of at the time. And uh, it it hit me. Um, we, we had a con- conversation. And, you know, like when you're talking to somebody and you could kind of feel like, Almost like they trying to get you up out of there. Mm. And that's what it was feeling like. Mm. We having a conversation and all of a sudden it it was very contentious. Like me and his relationship. And I've never had this at this job. Like I've been a superstar at this place. But, you know, I'm having this conversation and all of a sudden it occurs to me like, oh, wait a minute. And my first reaction is like, I, I don't care. You know, I don't have to deal deal with this you know i don't have to deal with these things i could just go somewhere else you know what i mean i'm in a a a field where i could go and find something else um you know but then i i don't know what what made me stop and think about it but i was like you know what man i i just heard myself and i was sounding very prideful and nothing's ever that easy that's i was lying to myself i don't care what field you're in you can't just bounce um at least, at least that's how I felt for myself. And then I started to um, just think about it and pray about it and, and really try to think over like how I need to address this situation, talking to my wife and then just really focusing on it. And and I, I just kind of resolved like something Kimberly had told me, I talked about it in an earlier podcast, but something you had told me a long time ago when I was complaining about things, you were like, you know, why don't you leave? <laughs> Otherwise, stop complaining. Mm. And um, I started to think about it. I was like, no, I, I actually do like this job. And am I am I gonna like if, am I gonna give this a try? And so I just made a decision. Like, first off, I'm gonna do anything it takes to perfect this. And then if I don't want to do this anymore, I won't do it. But I gave I I took this challenge. So I'm gonna pour into it in whatever. He says that I lack, I'm not going to take offense. I'm just going to work on it. And I'm going to let him know that I'm working on it. Now, I'm not just going to roll. I'm still going to stand up for myself. But at the same time, I'm going to make it very, make him very aware that I am going to work on everything that you say. Yeah. And I'm going to not, and even though I don't see that's important, or I don't see the the benefit of it. I'm just gonna do it because you're my boss, and I'm gonna I'm a I'm on the team. I decided to take this position. If I'm gonna be here, I'm gonna pour myself into it. And I think that not only I think if I would have just started doing it, I think that it may it might have had a good effect. But I think me being very intentional and letting him know what I was gonna do it it set us on a different ground. So at the very least, he could see that he was dealing with someone, you know, who number one was confident, but also who was teachable and who was self-aware and who would work to improve. Like I didn't make any excuses. I wanted to, but, um, and I probably had valid excuses, but I was like, I'm, I'm going to get better. I'm going to work on what you tell me to, and I'm going to get better. And all of that is to say is when Kimberly came to me, that's, that was the advice I gave you. Yeah. Was just, Hey, listen, we sat and talked and we were very solution oriented. And I gave some advice on what I would do. And, you know, she came up with her own thing. But the biggest thing I've said was you should talk to him and tell him, you know, you know, ask him about the training plan. Hey, if it, I want to get better if it's not something that's negative. But other than that, just keep it real and tell him what you're going to do to get better. And yeah. you did that, right? Yeah. And um, like when I came to Melvin, like 
I remember like looking at my email and just kind of being just discouraged. And like I said, it wasn't because of this idea of like, oh, I'm in trouble. Because I mean, like at the end of the day, it is what it is. But I was just kind of like, I was disappointed with myself. And that and that brought on guilt. And it was something that I could not like shake, like, okay, how can I dig myself out of this? You know, like, you know, and, and I'll be honest, the place that I work, I've had the best bosses that I have ever had. Like I've worked a lot of different places and a lot of different positions. And this particular place has some of the best bosses that I've had. I've had a good string of bosses. They're not perfect, but they, they've been great. And so anyways, you know, and so, um, you know, I, felt compelled to just like immediately like say, Hey, can we like talk about this instead of through email? Let me talk to, let's talk about this. So I, we can discuss my metrics. And I also had questions too, because you know, sometimes in the corporate world or in the career, your career, people can word things and you may not think that it's as serious as it is, but I needed to know like what, what's going on. You know what I'm saying? I need to know what I'm working with. And Melvin was right. Melvin was like, just own what you did. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't lie, but just, you know, just say, Hey, I'm going to do better, you know? And, you know, part of it, the first step was even being honest with Melvin. Like I was just embarrassed to even like, even speak out the fact that, you know, I was not working to my full potential. You know, and like I said, like I say this with all honesty, like when I work at 80%, that's probably a lot of people's like 100%, but that's not, that should not be my, my limit. Like I should always work at my 100%, you know, always. And no matter nobody else, I'm not looking at nobody else. I'm not looking at my coworkers. I'm not looking at my friends. I'm, I'm doing what I know is right. And if I do that, I ain't gonna never have no problem. You know what I'm saying? And so, and part of it was just losing, like, you know, you just, you know, sometimes you're, you're fired up. Sometimes you're not, you know? And so that's what I did. I picked up the phone. I called my boss. And I talked to him, you know, and honestly, he was very appreciative because he was like, he kind of mentioned that he didn't tell me which one of my coworkers, but he was like, you know, I really appreciate just the honesty. I think that's the route to go. And like, hey, had a bad month. I'm going to do better this next month. This is what I'm planning on doing because that's what I came to him with was solutions. And I was telling him, you know, when it comes to like, drawing labs. I'm not very pushy with the labs. If people refuse or I see that they are kind of leaning towards no, I don't try to convince them. You know, I don't do that. You know, and you know, and so now I'm going to and I was telling him now I'm what I'm going to do is present it as something that is very beneficial for them because honestly it is beneficial. And I myself need to look at it like it's beneficial so I can present it like it's beneficial because it is. You know, and so I was being honest with him about these things and he really like received that very well. Yeah. And, you know, from my opinion, the thing that that really um, sets you up for victory is. Is in, in for those out there listening, when you're going through different things like this, especially when it comes to work, you know, and especially if it's a job that that you you feel like you're good at and you know we all have an idea of ourselves Mm. um and you know it's not really comfortable to hear somebody give an assessment of you that's contradictory to how you feel about yourself Mm -hmm. but um really um you know someone giving you criticism is like a blessing because it's this rare opportunity in having someone. So like in my job, like I said, man, I did not have a lot of those type of talks. You know what I mean? I was always, you know, praised and getting promotions, raises, all of those things. And not, that's not to say anything bad about that. But, you know, from that, from my initial look at it, I, I first looked at my boss like, man, what is the matter with him, man? I'm, you know, no one else has this opinion of me. Mm. So it's got to be him. And I think we can do that a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just it, check, just completely 
mark people off like man they're just hating or they're just uh they've got it wrong mm. even if they do have it wrong and I, and there were some things that he had wrong and i think he realized that but at the end of the day he cared enough to give me criticism and that criticism I had a choice to make. Now, I very well could have taken that criticism, not liked it, moved somewhere else, even in this company, um, or just moved somewhere else and and went on with my life. But what I would have missed was this opportunity to reflect and to be introspective and to be and to, to really let his comments penetrate me and, you know, pick apart stuff. Right. Yeah. And. And it is so uncomfortable. And I and I look at how your reaction was to to that um, to that email, and it seemed like you know you kind of had that same thing. You were very humble, and you were very um, even if I was trying to make an excuse for you, you were not accepting. You're like, no, this is it, and this is how I've been. And I think that that gives you that rare opportunity to to make big changes and grow, even if you're killing it, like that gives you an opportunity to take it to that next level. And, you know, that's a challenge that you guys can look at, you know, is when you get that criticism next time, instead of just brushing it off, and I'm talking about that criticism that's contrary to what everybody else is saying, um, you know, take it as an opportunity. Like you should, you should, you shouldn't let people's opinion of you shape you, but you should let it penetrate you in a, in, at least to, to assess, you know what I'm saying? And you may, after your assessment, it may not be, you may see like it's not real or not, but here goes a good scripture here. Um, it says, um, ah, oh, man. Man, I went I went down too far. Uh, well, basically, oh, here it is. You know, Proverbs sixteen three, it says, "Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans." So, why do I read that scripture? Right, um, I think you can. The, the thing that can protect you from because the thing that comes up for me, Kim, is like if I'm listening, if I don't discount people's opinions mm -hmm. how do I protect myself from letting people tear me down and what it is is you 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 filter it through the spirit you know what I mean you go back and you pray about them and you you commit hey God if this is something I need to work on let me get out of it what I need to get out of it um and and you commit it to the Lord and he'll lay the plans out for you Whatever it is that you need to change, like that's the cool thing about the spirit and about the Bible and about God is we don't have to be the filter for the hate. You know what I mean? We can we don't have to determine what's hate and what's genuine. We can dedicate it to the Lord. And I mean, it. and that's a cool thing about like the Bible. All of these things are very practical mm -hmm. and they can be put into good use. But OK, well, I'll tell you kind of where my process went so had the conversation with my boss I actually it was actually encouraging you know what I'm saying like I felt like I reassured him he reassured me and we were on the same page the next day and the day after for some reason I woke up and I just still felt guilt-ridden and like I said, you know, and that's how I knew that it wasn't just because, hey, this is being pointed out to you. It's like, I feel guilty about this. Like, I cannot believe that I allowed myself to not give my all in a situation, you know, and it just really disturbed me. It really did. And so yeah. one of the things, so I'll take you through the process that I, I got to like get myself out of that hole because I had, my thoughts were this, like, how can I face 
my boss anymore? Like, what does he think about me? And then it's like, you know, should I even try to even do better? Because they probably have categorized me as like a weak link or, you know, all these like weird thoughts that like, clearly this man hadn't even said anything, but I'm just like jumping to all these conclusions, you know what I'm saying? So, so I just didn't like where I was. And so God, you know, I, I prayed, you know, and I had a very long prayer actually. And, you know, was very honest with God about where I felt, you know, and I could really, I started with confession. You know, I told God that I felt guilty and why I felt guilty and praying that, you know, that he can take that guilt away, you know, and where, what is my next move? What is my next direction? And so I don't know how I came about it. I think I might have, I know I Googled repentant heart. That's what I Googled, repentant heart. And it brought me to Psalms 51. And I'm not going to read the whole Psalm. It's actually not a long Psalm, but it's a good Psalm. I'm just going to point out the one verse out of that, that, that collection of scriptures that really like, I feel like really talked about how I felt. And that's in verse three, actually starting in verse two and then in uh, verse three. And of course, I'm reading an NLT and it says, wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. And when I read that, I was like, oh my goodness, if this is not me, like I'm reading myself off these pages, like all I wanted to do was like, stop feeling this way. Like, what can I do to get myself away from this guilt? Like I felt dirty. I felt like, you know, like it says, like our, our sin makes us crimson, you know, our sin leaves a crimson stain on us. Like that's how I felt. I felt stained. And it's like, God, like I cannot, like, even though I've had this promising conversation, I've prayed about it. I've talked to Melvin, got advice. I got a plan of how I think I should move forward. I still feel guilt written. And it was exactly what these words said. Like I recognize where my rebellion was. It haunts me day and night, you know, and that's truly how I felt. And I just took that time to just like, and I do this often, like, Sometimes I pray and it's like a formal prayer, but then sometimes I just have a conversation with God. Like I could be reading a scripture and I just sit here and I just talk to God about this. And it's like, I just said, God, like, I need you to wash me. Just like your word says, I need to be washed of this. I know I've done wrong. And, you know, as I'm reading through it, like I'm starting to feel better. But then I believe that Satan then whispered something into me again. And, uh, he, one of the things, the, the idea that popped in my mind was what if you're only sorry because you got caught up? What yeah. if you, what if you're not really sorry? And, you know, over in second Corinthians chapter seven and, uh, it's verses five through 16. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna read it all, but it talks about godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. And I really felt like I needed to address that too, because my desire was to be right before God. Like I didn't want to just be sorry because I got caught up. And then once I get clear to this, I go back to doing the same thing that I was doing. And so let me move, like, just give me one second. I'm going to get over to Corinthians because I'm going to show you what I'm going to read to you what, um, what brought me out of that, what made me feel like, okay, gave me confidence. It's like, okay, I'm on the right track. So I underlined it here and it says, now I'm glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because of the pain it caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have. So you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There is no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. And that's when I was confident. I felt confident that I was on the right track because 
I no longer wanted to do this. Like I started thinking in my own head, like forget these benchmarks. Yeah, I'm going to meet these benchmarks, but how can I exceed them? You know, how can I put myself in a position where I'm not going to, I'm going to be far from what I was doing. Right. And this was, um, cause I remember the day after you had come to me and had shared, you know, you still kind of were a little downcast and I had mentioned this scripture just offhand to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and this was the NIV version. It says a godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. And, um, you know, I'm, I paraphrased the scripture to you, um, because I was like, cause you were saying, you know, you felt bad and you felt guilty. And I was like, well, you know, that's the, you should feel happy about where you are. Cause you are, you are where you need to be. You know, you, the metrics for godly sorrow is it leads to repentance. Mm-hmm. Right. And then your your reply to me it was like and it leaves no regret and even and i didn't even add that in my paraphrase and the reason i remember it so well is because that just really rung to me you know it leaves no regret um and that's like the the real barometer of godly sorrow is like regret you know and i think sometimes we can almost want to beat ourselves up mm. and it and it's like the just like I said having a you know criticism can be the uh you know a a beautiful opportunity for reflection and repentance and all those things I think on the opposite end of the spectrum regret is like the enemy of growth because regret wants to keep you stuck in that place even if you've changed like even if you have changed in your heart like maybe you have not done a thing yet maybe you are just you're broken about something um and and you just have a a godly sorrow and it says godly sorrow brings repentance so it doesn't mean that it, it is you you have to have the godly sorrow first and the thing that can mess that godly sorrow up is regret, like being tricked into regretting and being stuck in this place to where you never grow to the repentance part of things, even though in your heart you want to change and you want to grow. And I know sometimes for me that I can get stuck there a lot of times, you know, where I can get, you know, I can feel really convicted about something and really want to change, but I just get so caught up in like, and for me, it can almost be selfishness of like the woe is me. And then it could that regret and that woe is me feeling can sometimes almost be an excuse for me to just wallow, you know, to just wallow there and not change, not go through the hardship of changing. Even though I'm convicted and I want it's like me, like what Paul said, like I, part of me wants to do good, but there's still this peace in me that wants to do bad sometimes that peace that wants to do bad manifests itself through like this woe is me attitude that just leaves me stuck you know what I mean yeah I think what brings out to me in this is the fact that it says it leads you away from sin Mm -hmm. so it's like that that was the thing that I needed to read because like I said I was like thinking like okay you're sorrowful, but what kind of sorrow do you have? Do you have worldly or do you have godly? And it's like, I mean, when all this blows over, because we all know that things do blow over, would you just, are you going to fall back into what you were doing? Or is this really going to change you? And that's where I felt like, okay, yeah, that's the heart that I want. And that's what I'm praying for. Like, I want to like, I want to like change. And like, what can I do to keep me from coming back? to this point where I'm at. Right. What I'm saying is, is like, even in that, right? Mm-hmm. So there is a point where, so like in the NIV, it says, godly sorrow leads to, to repentance. The version you read said, the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and uh, results in salvation. There is this point where you have the right type of sorrow. You know, there's a point where it's, you know, where you have the right type of sorrow and it leads you, you're praying and you are broken 
And I think even in that point, Satan is still trying to squeeze in to, to, to turn the tide of your sorrow and to bring doubt in. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm saying is like, mm-hmm. I get what you're saying. You, you know, you've got to have, you got to fight in your prayers to change. You also have to be praying for confidence, like confidence in the spirit's ability to, to cling on to just a little bit of, of righteousness that you have. Cause God says you take one, because the repentance is not coming from you. You just have godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is when you are taking it. That's when the prayer comes in. And God is going to be, and the spirit is going to be what takes you to that repentance. Otherwise, you could have worldly sorrow and stop doing whatever, and still stop doing whatever it is that you were doing before. Mm-hmm. It could still be worldly because you're just using your own power. I know that because I have I've done that before. I've done that many times where I'll be sorrowful about something and then I'll just stop. But it's always very temporary because it's not godly sorrow where I am like like David, you know, David and Bathsheba, he broke down and he had no time to do anything, but you could still see that it was something God accepted because that's where the repentance comes from. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, think- and Psalm and Psalm 51, that's exactly what David, that's David's Psalm right after him and Bathsheba, the sin that he committed. And, well, I, and I totally agree with what you're saying. I'm just saying that as I was reading this, what stood out to me mm-hmm. that helped me gain that confidence, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Because like, I know for myself that like, or I think it's just a human tendency. Like, it's like a little child. The only reason that a child is sorry is because they get caught. You know what I'm saying? But did they really take the lesson from it? And I didn't want to go through something to not have gotten the lesson. You know what I'm right. saying? And so even if you move on from that, it says, see, just see what this godly sorrow produced in you. Such earnestness, such concern to clear yourself, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal and such a readiness to punish wrong. And when I was reading that, like, I felt like I could check off that list. Like, that's how I truly felt in my heart of heart. Like, I even remember praying to God, like, no lie. God, I deserve any punishment or anything that happens, though I will hate it. You know, I'm just going to try help me to still be fearless enough to push on, don't give up, do the best that I can, and the chips will fall where they fall. And if I have to be put on a coaching plan... Well, then, hey, I deserve it anyway. I don't deserve for you to to come and and help me do anything. So I'm deserving of whatever punishment I get. And that and literally like I felt like, wow, I've never really prayed a prayer like this. Like, you know what? I'll take that punishment. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know, I'll take it. You know, I don't want to take it, but I can't like I even remember in my notes saying like I want to blame shift. But I can't like I can't even bring myself to blame shift because it's me. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, and so I just I was just pouring out my heart to God. And it was just like it had nothing to do with nobody else. It was just me just like being open with where I was and my desire to be better, not knowing how I was going to go about this. Just God, please dispel any negative thoughts that I may have, you know, who cares if, you know, like, I, cause I literally was like, should I mean, should I even put any effort to even like improve myself? Like, have I dug myself in that bad of a hole? No, you haven't. Right. And I mean, I keep harboring on, because I think there's this, and this is just something that I've seen, you know, in myself and in, in, in happen a lot of times. And just for the people who are listening right now, it's like we can tie. So like this scripture is if you, you parse it out, it's really, you know, there comes a point. So godly sorrow is really 
confirmed by all of these other things, mm-hmm. right? But to get to those other things, you've got to have godly sorrow. And but what I mean by that is, like I said, and, and I don't want this point to get lost, is that right when you're at the point of when you feel sorrowful for something and your, you know, your prayer initially has to be just to give you clarity and, you know, because sometimes you got to pray to get to where it's leading you even because you, like I said, man, the first time you feel that sorrow and you feel broken about something, that's when Satan's antennas go up and that's when he goes in full attack. And and that's like your most vulnerable time sometimes to get discouraged and to, you know, not continue with, with the path that you were going on. And it's so important, you know, when you are feeling that, that sorrow to, to really pour in it because sometimes there's not going to be these tangible things that you can check off the list. Even sometimes just going that you just got to trust and keep on praying, keep on fighting because just like what Kimberly was saying, while she's praying and while she's going through it, God, Satan is trying to like get in there and be like, well, is it even worth trying or is mm-hmm. it even worth this or even worth it's the praying that she did that, that, really led to like it's almost like you're just taking strength you're just getting stronger and stronger and stronger and that little pinch of sorrow just kept on going and it led into that repentance and and the eagerness and all that other stuff but anywho i think uh long ago one of uh, our evangelist mark had made a comment uh, and during one of his messages, like you have to want to want to, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and and I have taken that and burned that into my memory because, like, honestly, like you don't have to have like the direction. You don't have to know how you're going to do whatever you're going to do, you know. But one thing that I have gotten kind of in habit of like really trying to get into the mindset of us like, okay, what is my desire though? You know, truly, what is my desire? I truly do desire to do what God wants me to do, but my flesh wants me to do the opposite of that. And I can feel that. I don't know if y'all feel that, but like I can feel my flesh fighting. And so like, I will speak that in my prayer, like God, like I deserve this punishment. I know it. I kind of actually want to ask for this punishment. (laughs) Like that was the funny thing to me. Like I was like, I kind of want to ask for it, but I don't really want the punishment. And I think God blesses and he appreciates and welcomes that type of vulnerability. And which led me to other scriptures, which led me to like literally my heart being lightened, you know? And so where that ended up ending and, and where I'm at now, where I'm working is like, okay, so how can I, I'm in a position, a servant position with my job. You know, I get the, I have the privilege to help people and I get the privilege. Like I am in my thirties, but I go and take care of people that are like the elderly and the geriatric population. And they like cling to my every word. So that's a huge responsibility to have when you got somebody who is like, three times your age, sometimes twice your age, three times your age. And they really hold you to a high regard and really take your advice and cling to your words. And so my thought was, how can I love well? And how can I serve well? And Melvin, I'll tell you, that is just something that like, I'm just really trying to infuse in all areas of my life. How can I serve people well? And how can I love people well? And that's really all I'm concerned about. So one of the things that I'm doing, like I said, I'm definitely going to meet these metrics. And here's where it goes up to a positive. You know, I end up finding out that my numbers have improved drastically, you know, and so I'm going to be fine. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, it just so happened when my boss reached out to me, I already was on the upswing. I had gotten motivation back. (laughs) And so I was already upswinging up. But um, one of the things that I've decided that I'm going to do is 
set my patients up for success. So any benchmark that I need, any like test that I may need to do, I'm going to remind them multiple times and I'm going to present it in a way that there's not like an opt out necessarily, not to force them, but to more so like, like I said, present it as this is a benefit for you because it really is. And it really started with me to convince myself that like, Kim, this is a benefit for them. You don't like you know, it's a benefit, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you're not your job, you, you know, they set this benchmark because they see, they deem it to be necessary for the patients. So just do it. And that's what I have just kind of resolved that that's just no arguments there, but something else that I've felt that I can do to kind of do the love part. Well, is I've started writing handwritten thank you notes to my patients and my job doesn't require me to do that. But I realized that with the elderly population, they get hounded by so many people trying to sell them things and, you know, do all these things. They, you'll be surprised how many people get taken advantage of in that, in that age group. And so they, you know, the, to have somebody come into your home, that's a lot for them. And that brings on a lot of anxiety. They be nervous letting me in their house. And so I just want to give them a token of my appreciation and just let them know, hey, thank you for your time. Thank you for sitting with me. And I hope this visit was enjoyable. And do you know, people have been really, really appreciative of these little cheap little cards that I give them. And that is, I mean, like, because you got to also realize that's the generation that they did handwrite things. So they do appreciate those things. And so, and I love handwritten things anyway. So I, I got whole, all kinds of cards, but anyways, so that's just kind of where I'm resolving. And I got some other things that I'm doing to like, make it very like special for my patients. Like, you know, my job offers like these two pocket folders. And so a lot of people don't even notice that we can order those folders. Well, I started ordering these folders. So when I'm handing out education, I'm not giving them all this loose leaf paper. I'm putting it in a pocket folder and giving it to them and they can keep it all together and they can reuse the folder too. You know, it's like a, like a regular two pocket folder that has the brand of our company on it, of course, but you know, it's something that gives just the extra little touch. Uh, that's my way of trying to love well, you know? And so that's where I'm resolved at right now. And I'm trying hard to, you know, be better. Melvin gave me a good piece of advice as well. I typically work a 10 hour day shift and, um, I mean, I've been working my job long enough where it doesn't take me like forever to do a visit. And so, but, you know, I never end up working to the full 10 hours. And Melvin was like, well, how about you just give yourself, you know, maybe a full eight hours to do everything and just so you won't feel like you're rushed or you feel like you got to hurry home. And so you won't feel like you have to cut corners and just that small little thing. And it's like, that's such an obvious thing, but <laughs> it's actually been working for me. And so, like I said, again, I want to reiterate, it's not like I've been out here just like totally flubbing on my job. I was, it's not that it's just that I know internally, and this is what I had to explain to Melvin. I know what I'm capable of. And to me, that's what good character is, is like, what do you do when nobody else knows, you know, and I know, and God knows, you know, like I could skate by and still get high marks and wouldn't nobody know that I was like doing certain things. But it's the fact that I know that I can do 110% and I'm not like, you know, that you can do better, but you don't, you know what I'm saying? You just, you're satisfied with 90% when you can actually achieve 110, you're still wrong, even though you get, you're achieving 90%, you know? And so, and, and 90% is good, but you can, you're capable of 110. So why don't you strive for 110? And that's where I was, you know, forget all that other stuff. That's where I was like, you could do better, but you're not doing better, you know? Yeah. I, I think that's that's good. Um, I was definitely inspired by, you know, just your reaction to it. Because it doesn't always happen like that, folks, um, for <laughs> anybody. Um, you know, 
but every day is another opportunity. Yeah. You know, um, so I, it was in, in just our, you know, our interaction with one another, uh, you know, this is definitely a testament to, to the spirit and to, um, just having a marriage that is, you know, that you have rooted in God, you know what I mean? Because I'm always coming with advice, right? But me just giving advice just of my own knowledge, Kimberly is smart. She not, you know, that's, that's only going to have so much impact and so much validity, but the fact that we can go to the Bible and and have concrete, I didn't have to make up anything. I could just give scriptures, you know, of course we're talking back and forth, but I could reference scriptures to kind of support what I was saying. And I know for her, that's the way mm-hmm. that, that we, we got to communicate, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because it gets rid of, you know, opinions mm-hmm. and different things like that. And it's just so important to, um, you know, get in to, to stay rooted in that. I know for us, you know, we really got to kind of reinvest, um, you know, praying every day. I, we haven't, we haven't been praying every day together. Um, no, but we together. haven't completely fallen off, but we, we were, we were on a roll with getting up and praying. Like even when we would get up at six o'clock and we would pray together, we would mm-hmm. sit over there in the little chairs and yeah. stuff. Those, you know, those, those things. And like I said, man, we, we, we're here to keep it real. We yeah. are not trying to paint no picture like we are, uh, Ned and Maude Flanders, man. We are very flawed people, but we just trying to, trying to get this thing, you know, as right as possible, um, and fall short a lot. But, um, you know, that's something we can get back to. And, and we were very consistent in praying every day and, uh, we definitely saw the fruit. Now we still pray. And when we come to situations like that, you know, we pray together mm-hmm. about it. And so, but even, but how much more prepared could she have been if we'd have been, pre- and how much more on top of it would I have been if I'd have been praying with her every day? I think about that. Like if I'd have been praying with her every day, none of this would have been a surprise. And we could have, we could have addressed this without, you know, getting getting an email or something like that because we would have been praying and making mm-hmm. our hearts vulnerable to one another and then we could have talked about it so it's such a god gives us such a cool you know just gives us so many cool tools that makes life easier that you know we just take for granted sometimes and these are not like we look i, I can look at it like i remember getting up at six and just being like man getting up at six <laughs> but really it's like a bonus man it's like it just like a a cheat code but um i did want to read one scripture here um just as we move towards rapping um you know where where kimberly is right now and where i've been before um you feel convicted and you feel a new you know kind of uh you you get get rejuvenated right mm-hmm. and a new Purpose. You go in there with a purpose and a new, uh, what do you call it? A new um, inspiration. Inspiration. There we go. And you know, we can feel more. Or we inspiration is like a wave. You know what I mean? Um, and motivation is like a wave. Uh, sometimes you get a new job and you get really, ins- you know, you focus and you want to do your best. Or sometimes it's your old job and you get a wake up call that you need to jump on it. But all of these things can really be, uh, they, they are temporary. And this scripture is in Colossians three twenty three, And it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, mm-hmm. not for human masters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that can sound like a, either a generic term, like a generic thought, or it could sound like a daunting idea right like what with all my heart like I'm working you know that could but really what that's saying is all that's talking about really if you break everything down is just your prayer life because if you're working for the Lord if you're going to do a job for the Lord 
you're going to be praying about it. You know what I mean? You're going to be, there is a way that you approach work that you consider quote unquote for the Lord. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like before I go to sing at church on Sunday, I always pray, God help me to blah, 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 blah. These different things. I don't go in there just thinking I'm going to fly on my talent. I, I pray about it and I approach it so that my heart can be right. And so, and then the times that I haven't, I have not done as well. And, and I'm still the same person, same voice, same guitar, same, all of that. But so I think this is telling us when we're going, we should be praying about our jobs and about being, uh, you know, we should approach that in the same way that we do anything else because we're doing this for the Lord. And, and that's really more, you know, that is not even about motivation. It's about praying for your success and praying for your approach. So I think that's an encouraging scripture, man, and mm. something that can help sustain us when we're not in these times of inspiration. Yeah. Which for me is sometimes most of the time. <laughs> it's hard out here. The career struggle is hard, man, because... Oh, you know, but, you know, I remember, I remember somebody made a comment like, you know, how can you ask God to elevate you in anything from your career to having a business and you're not willing to work for somebody else? Like you're not willing to work a dream, somebody else's dream. So how can he give you a dream? give you your dream when he doesn't even know that you'll be able to sustain when you're working for someone else. You know what I'm saying? And so I don't even know if that makes sense, but it's like what you do with a little, you'll do with a lot. <laughs> I was just trying you to know? find that scripture. Like, it's like, <laughs> what you do with a little, you do it a lot. Yeah. So like you up here want to have a business and be a CEO and you can't even <laughs> be consistent as an executive assistant. And so, <laughs> so you can't even show up on time to work, you know, but you about to be somebody's CEO. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and the, Another point to take off is maybe you're not in a situation where you have your dream job or whatever. Maybe this is what you were just talking about, but maybe you don't have your dream job. Maybe you feel like, you know, you just stuck like this. This premise goes over into that. You know, it this applies like do it like go to work tomorrow with a brand new mindset. Like, I don't care what it is you're doing. If you hate your job go there tomorrow like pray and dedicate your day tomorrow to the lord like god help me to do my best help me to attack this day with every bit of strength that you've given me and i promise you it will pay off because you never know who is looking you never know god puts us in situations every day god is just looking for a way to give you the desires of your heart and some people may argue that point right like but i am convinced and no one can convince me differently that god is waiting like he put the desires he created your heart yeah. so he created those desires but at the same time you know he protects us from ourselves you know keeping us from squandering it away it's like the the kid who um you know the the, the guy who gave away his in who give me my inheritance now you know, I'm, prodigal son. yeah, the prodigal son. I guarantee you that the dad had a conversation with him. Like, are you sure, son? Well, let's think about that. Are you sure you want all your inheritance? Eventually he gave it to him and he blew it. But I think God could be the same with us. He's like, just, just be, you know, he's waiting for us to get our hearts right. Because if we're not blowing it out where we're at, we're going to take our same selves into this new great job and ruin it. Mm -hmm. And you may only get one chance at that dream job. So yeah. that's a challenge for, for those who are not where they want to be right now is I, you know, if, if every day you've hated it, go in tomorrow and like pray, just beg God just to help you to attack the day and go in there positive. Like everything you doing counts and matters. And, and that attitude is what will produce growth in your career for sure. I am positive because God is just waiting 
to to make moves like that for you. But um, anything else, Kimberly? Mm-mm-mm. I will say pray for our little baby. She's having some. Well, I say she ain't no little baby. She five, but um, she having a headache, headaches. Oh yeah. And you know, just she just wasn't feeling well today. So, um, you know, hopefully by the time y'all hear this, she's feeling well. But if not, throw a couple prayers up for um, just the challenges of being a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate when my babies are not feeling good. Well, messes me up. But she's still so cute, even even when not. But uh. Any, so, yeah, you want to sign us off? Or yep, anything else? and so, guys, again, this is Kim and my trusty wingman, Melvin, and you have been listening to the Soul Sense Podcast. We'll catch you later. Bye.